From the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio, this is Injury Insider with Derek Hayes. Injured in Georgia? Make the right call to the law office of Derek M. Hayes at 404-777-HURT. Injury Insider is presented by Status Home Design, your one-stop shop for all your home and gift needs. Hello and welcome to Injury Insider with Derek Hayes on Business Radio X. We are broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio in the Sinesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. This show will answer legal questions and debunk personal injury myths with insight and expertise. For over 25 years, Derek Hayes has represented injured parties in Georgia. Now he'd like to put that knowledge to work for you. My name is Lita Brooks, and it's my pleasure to introduce the star of our show, Mr. Derek Hayes. Good morning, Good Derek. morning. It's great to be live. We're actually live and streaming on Facebook for uh, uh, everyone to watch and listen. Absolutely. This is our second time with the yes. video. So yes. this, we're getting used to this. Yeah. So you're great on video. I, I don't know go how like I this across, anymore. But, like yeah. any, I have to smile. Yeah, I'm just you're kidding. Terrific never on video. Oh, stop. All right. Before we begin, a quick reminder that Injury Insider is brought to you by Status Home Design, your one-stop shop for all your home and gift needs, and by the law office of Derek M. Hayes. Injured in Georgia, make the right call to the law office of Derek M. Hayes at... 404777 Is that the number one way people get hurt that you <laughs> yes. represent? Is that car well, crash right there? Car wrecks are the, the bread and butter, so to speak, of a personal injury practice for not only me, but everybody. Uh, we're here in Metro Atlanta, and I've always said for many, many years, people in Atlanta will never learn how to drive. <laughs> Insurance companies will never get religion. Uh, so as far as job security, I, I hate to say it because you hate that people are constantly being hurt. But if there is such thing, then I guess it's this. Yeah, you're getting a phone call. Yeah, is that your law of, firm yeah. right there? <laughs> no, it's not the firm, but likely a yeah. sales call or <laughs> something like that. And unfortunately, like everybody else, I get those spam calls. It usually pops up because you forward the phones to you because you yes. never turn it off ever, ever, ever. Yes. So if Derek is representing you, he never turns it off even on the weekends and it pops up law firm all yeah, the time all the sometimes firm, even in the right. middle of the night people yes. will have a wreck and call you yes just I at three o'clock in the morning i was gonna say not too long ago it was a three or three thirty in the morning phone call that somebody called the office and it rolled to my cell phone now granted i wasn't awake to answer it but i was able to reach out to them uh the next morning because they did leave a very detailed voicemail about what happened. So. I have a, a story about that. So Kirsten, your paralegal, she's probably watching. Hi, Kirsten. And she, we were going to the Bahamas. It was a family trip, and we took the adult children, and they mm -hmm. each got to bring a friend, and, and we were taking a, a trip to the Bahamas. And I, I can't remember. Maybe it was the weekend, and I remember her saying to me, I do not want to forward the phones. You guys need to go on vacation. Like, he never turns this off. Like, go enjoy your family. <laughs> and I, you, I said, he, no. Like, he's going to have the phone on him the whole time in another country with his family and his kids. He will not turn off the law firm. So... That goes to say, like, you never, ever, ever truly step away from this. It's tough. It really is. Uh, because in the line of work that I'm in, in personal injury, uh, things happen all the time to current clients and people that are prospective clients that will call about all kinds of situations. So, yes, they can contact me. And, yes, and I, they can. I Absolutely. either take the call or if it's in the middle of the night at 3.30, I'll, I'll definitely call back as soon as I get the message. So, but I think that's really interesting. We've talked about this on other shows of yours that is the number one complaint 
basically mm-hmm. the opposite of what we're saying. The number one complaint is you hear people say, I can't reach my attorney. I've never yes. spoken to my attorney. I only have a case manager. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's a real testament to you. I know you well, uh, just to know that you truly will leave the country with your children and, and keep that law firm and keep your clients right in the palm of your hand. Yeah, so. yeah. And, and again, that because of that complaint, uh, and again, that's a nationwide thing. It's it's oh, the yeah. number one complaint about attorneys. I never talked to my attorney. I don't even know what he or she looks like. I've never heard their voice. If I do meet them, it's towards the end of the case at the time of disbursement, and I've never actually spoken to them during the entire course of their claim. Well, you're going to talk to me, whether you yes. want to or not. No, that's true. Because I am going to ask those questions I need to ask, and I'm going to find out all the details necessary to, what's my favorite phrase, to be a zealous, zealous advocate, advocate for my clients. Yeah, and you truly do. And I know you can't, you can say that. I talk to you, I talk to you, and, and I'm sure every you know, attorney in the first meeting says that, but I'm here to say you truly, truly do talk to your clients, mm-hmm. spend the time, work late every night, never put your phone down. Um, it, you've built your entire practice on being the opposite of what everyone else exactly. does in a customer service uh, way. So, right. I would hate to have something tragic happen in my life, a catastrophic injury to me or any member of my family, and I'm not an attorney and I reach out to someone on behalf of that injured uh, family member or unfortunately someone that may have died and I'm getting nothing but crickets sure. from the other side. The, sure. the person that's supposed to be, again, my zealous advocate is, there you go. <laughs> There's the sound effect board. That's, that's all you get from the law firm that's there to be your representative. Yeah. It would be awful. Well, I didn't mean to jump into this, but it just is kind mm-hmm. of what we did, and, and that's great. So anyone listening, um, you know, whether they may need you in the future, they need you for a loved one, or they're a current client, uh, but we will, we have been mentioning, this is you as an attorney, you're not just specific to Georgia, that you Correct. can handle cases all over the United States, and currently are. You're in yes. many, many different states right now with litigation, and, and dif- you're in different yes. places in different cases. Mm-hmm. But the only thing that, that has to happen is if I, it's a state where I'm not licensed, I have to associate counsel with someone who is licensed in that state. Uh, that Only will, if it's going to go to trial. Correct. If it yes. goes into litigation, yes. And that's something we would talk about specifically right. if somebody calls about a case in another state. But okay. yes, I do have cases pending in other Just states. Just so people know, the podcast, mm-hmm. you know, we're national, international. Correct. They live forever. You know, we're putting this mm-hmm. content out. I hate for someone to say, I'd love to use him. But I'm in Montana and he's in Georgia, even though he sounds like the greatest attorney ever. (laughs) You can still call. Right. Right. I think I said in in past shows, I had someone contact me from California, Mm -hmm. from Michigan and one other state uh, after a very specific episode I did. And I can't remember exactly what the topic was, but. Uh, Again, a nationwide reach is terrific. Absolutely. All right. So on the last show, we unpacked mediation. And you did a teaser for this show that we were going to go into arbitration. Mm -hmm. And that is the topic for today, correct? All right. So we're going to talk about arbitration. I'm just going to turn it over to you and let you jump in anywhere you want. Okay. Well, a quick refresher on mediation because we did talk uh, the entire show about mediation Mm -hmm. last time. Uh, you, everybody's heard the phrases mediation and arbitration. You've probably heard both those phrases, just like everybody else. There's a misunderstanding. A lot of folks think that it's the exact same thing. Mediation is arbitration, and arbitration is mediation. The answer is no. They're completely different processes. And so I just uh, a week and a half ago, I guess, had my most recent mediation, and my client continued to use the word arbitration when we talked about it. I would say, your mediation's coming up on Friday. We need to go over the tips in the mediation, what to expect. And 
every time he would ask a question, what's going to happen to my arbitration? Well, is this arbitration typical? What do we do? And I, I explained to him that those are different terms, and he did not understand that there was truly a difference. And so we spent a, a little bit of time, and it, and it led to me thinking, well, that's a great topic for a podcast because of the confusion a lot of folks have. So mediation as a quick refresher is when you voluntarily with the other side, let's say for example, a car wreck, you decide that you wanna take your case to an independent third party, a mediator, to listen to both sides of the claim, the plaintiff side, which is what I am, and the defense side, which is generally an insurance company, uh, where we've not been able to negotiate and come to a settlement. Sometimes it's pre-litigation, we've not filed suit, but we're trying to uh, potentially get the case mediated and settled prior to filing, or Sometimes it could be post-litigation where the lawsuit's been filed. We've potentially gone through depositions and discovery, which are exchanges of written documents and questions. Uh, and then before going to trial, it's a last-ditch effort to try and resolve the case with that independent third party. In a mediation setting, because it's generally voluntary, sometimes you can be court-ordered to go to mediation, you're not required to walk out of that room with a settlement. If you go to a mediation and as a plaintiff, we're looking for X number of dollars, let's say 100,000, just picking a number. And we're not gonna leave there with anything less than 100,000. And the other side only offers, say, 80. And we've absolutely confirmed that that is our bottom dollar and they're not willing to pay it. We can leave and the case will not be settled. All of the numbers that were talked about in that mediation will never be admissible in an eventual trial. In other words, the defense attorney could never stand in front of a jury and say, oh, by the way, that plaintiff over there, they were willing to take 100000 so don't give anything more than that. That's a really interesting point. We did not bring that up in the last show, but any dollar amount, anything that's talked about, they can't say they turned this down. You can't say they've already offered right. this. I can't nothing. say they offered X number of right. dollars, so no matter what, don't pay anything less sure. than that because they were willing to pay that. So if you could admit those into evidence, well, it defeat the whole purpose of the mediation, mm -hmm. which is to have that uh, opportunity to try and get it resolved without involving the court. Um, so at a mediation, after the mediator has heard the opening statements from both sides, they'll go back and forth between the rooms and negotiate the numbers between the parties. And as I said, if, if it gets to a number and they're not willing to pay more, we're not willing to take less, we can leave, right. period. Uh, if they do come to a number we're willing to accept, well, then we can leave there that day with a closed case and get that case off the books and mm -hmm. not burden the court with it anymore. We're, we're settled at that point. Um, arbitration is different in one sense to, to begin, and that is that in arbitration it is typically uh, something where you're going in and you will leave with an outcome. An arbitrator will tell you what your outcome is. It could be a one-person arbitrator or it could be generally a three-person arbitration panel. In mediation, the mediator can attempt to get that number out there for you, but if it doesn't happen, you're, you're able to walk away. In arbitration, you're bound to whatever that number may be. So as an example in arbitration, if the, the arbitrator or arbitrator panel says, your award is $5,000. Well, if you thought you were gonna get 10 and you only got five, too bad, you're settled, you're done. Um, we'll talk a little bit more in a second about what to do if, if you know you, you want to try and avoid arbitration, but ultimately you're bound to that outcome. Now arbitration typically occurs in contracts where it's uh, an employment contract, a business contract, a contractual relationship between parties, where if there's a dispute that comes up, you've agreed and you've waived your rights to a jury trial, you've agreed to go to arbitration knowing full well that that arbitration outcome is going to be what your outcome is for that dispute, whatever the dispute may be. Okay. So 
that's a little bit about the difference. Talk about the process, because we okay. unpacked the process of mediation. You walked us through what a typical mediation looks like. So go into that for arbitration so we can understand the difference. Okay. Starting with selecting the arbitrator or arbitration panel. Generally, the way it's done, and they're different techniques, but the general typical way of doing it, I'm a plaintiff, you're a defendant in a contract dispute. I select an arbitrator someone as the plaintiff that I want to be my arbitrator. You as a defendant, you select your arbitrator. So I say John Doe is my arbitrator. You say, well, Jane Doe's my arbitrator. Mm -hmm. And then John Doe and Jane Doe will collectively select a third party to be the third arbitrator. Let's say John Smith. So now we have John Doe, Jane Doe, and John Smith as our arbitration panel. At that point, we can agree for all three of those to hear the, the arbitration. Or we can say, let's dismiss John Doe and let's dismiss Jane Doe. We're going to have John Smith, who was selected by those two, now be our neutral party to decide what the outcome of this arbitration is. So again, that's a little difference in the process. Once that arbitration panel or arbitrator individual is selected, then we go in with opening statements. We go in with what our dispute may be in the contract, employment contract, for example, and the other side presents their side of the case. And the arbitrator listens to what we all have to say, and they ask some questions. You may actually be divided into rooms, you know, if necessary, to kind of iron out a few more specific facts with me that, the, that I may not want to share in front of the other party. And then likewise, the arbitrator may go here, or panel may hear from the other side about facts they may not want to have aired in front of me from, from the other side. Uh, the arbitration panel will then take all this into consideration and issue an outcome, a ruling, uh, an award, whatever that may be, a, a conclusion to the arbitration. Okay. Which way do you like better? W meaning, do you like one arbitrator or do you like three? What's just your personal preference? To me, I think the ability to have three people hash out the issues is a lot better. Um, now, again, it depends. And, and I knew you were going to say depends. Uh, the number one answer for attorneys is yeah. always, well, it depends. It, it depends, depends on the it case. Depends. Sure. Uh, because there may be times where I'm completely happy with that individual, but there may be times where I'm not. And I'm thinking I'd still rather have the protection of three people hashing this out and collectively coming to a conclusion as opposed to one person and only one person deciding the outcome and the fate of, of that particular dispute. Um, so, again, it, it's not a general answer every time the same. So it's tough to say. Okay, so you're, I'm a, um, you're not my attorney, but I'm in a contract. Let's okay. just say I'm in a lease, okay? And now they, my landlord is calling. There's some sort of dispute. We need to go to arbitration. Mm -hmm. Do I get served like I would go so, to court? In your fact pattern. But I want to pretend I don't have an attorney. Sure. This is where I'm going Let's with it. assume that in your fact pattern that there is an arbitration clause in your lease contract. Okay. Where it says if there are any disputes regarding these factors, we will go to arbitration. Uh, at that point, then yes, you will go to arbitration. There's not a lawsuit to be filed because if you did, it's going to be dismissed because it's now mandatory arbitration. You've signed away your rights to be able to file a lawsuit. You're going to arbitration. And then in that case, and you know, I tell people this all the time, not simply because I'm an attorney, but because it makes sense. If you're going to any legal proceeding, you need you to need have representation. Attorney. That was my question. Okay, Absolutely so I'm in a lease. There, we're going to arbit arbitration. Sure. Do I need an attorney? And the reason, many reasons, but one of the main reasons is the other side's going to have one. Okay. 
So if you're going up against an attorney who's going to understand the law, yep. the issues that matter, the facts that matter, how to present your facts and your issues in the best light possible to achieve the outcome you're looking for, well, then, uh, you know, you don't go into a gunfight with a, a knife, right? So you want to go into that fight equally prepared and equally represented to the other side so that it's not stacked against you walking in that door. Can you refuse arbitration? It depends. And again, there is that it answer. Depends. There's that answer. Uh, arbitration, again, there, there are different ways it can be set up. It can be a mandatory or it can be a voluntary, again, in the language in the contract. It can be binding or it can be non-binding, again, depending on the language in the contract. It would be more rare to find a non-binding arbitration than a binding arbitration. Non-binding would mean you're not stuck with the outcome. Generally, in arbitration, it's a binding setting, so you are stuck with it. Uh, and again, it's generally not voluntary. It's generally mandatory. Um, the purpose of arbitration is to eliminate what would be a even bigger logjam of the court system over countless contract disputes and building contracts and lease contracts and employment contracts and labor contracts. There are so many areas where arbitration is put in there to eliminate having to file suit over what could be a very minor thing in the grand scheme of you know the, the contract or a major element of the contract. It's far easier to not burden the court, which could take years to go through litigation and simply get it into arbitration, which may be a, a few months, but a lot quicker outcome. When you think about uh, things where time is of the essence, let's say, for example, I'm building a building and in the process of building that building, things are going to be held up until the dispute is resolved. If it goes through litigation, filing a lawsuit, it may be years, three, four, five, six years. With COVID, it could be even be sure. longer because courts were shut down for so long. In arbitration, it may be a month or a couple of months to set up the arbitration and go through it. So construction could be delayed for that brief period of time. And again, that's a, a time where an arbitration, uh, I hate to use the word necessary, but may be better than litigation. Sure. I was going to say in layman's terms, in that situation, arbitration would be a good thing. It would be a good mm -hmm. necessary resolution to keep construction going right. because we all know time is money. Mm -hmm. And right. You've got deadlines. You've got tenants trying to rent a space in a skyscraper. Right. You got to you got to keep it yes. moving. So, yes. yeah. OK. So. That makes a lot of sense. All right. So is arbitration is it a lawsuit? It's, so it's different from it a lawsuit. Is. Like okay. I said, if you if you file a lawsuit, an actual lawsuit, you're filing in state court or superior court, or if it's a federal dispute, you're going into federal court. I mean, the, the issues arise to the level of involving federal court, and I'm not going to go into that. Yeah, you know, what would put it there? But um, you're not filing a lawsuit. You're actually going through the arbitration process because your contract requires it okay. if it's a mandatory arbitration setting. Uh, if you think of a lawsuit, you think of depositions, you think of discovery, you think of presentation of evidence in a courtroom, a jury. None of that happens in arbitration. You're, again, avoiding and bypassing that for the simple fact of not burdening the court. Time is of the essence. A lot less expensive approach is arbitration. Litigation can be extremely expensive when you're hiring experts, uh, paying for depositions and expert testimony and court reporter charges and transcript charges and filing fees and uh, exhibit fees, all those things that, that go into litigating a case, you're avoiding all those costs and all that time. Do you have the right as a client to say, I don't want to go to arbitration 
I want to go to mediation. Therefore, you're not locked into the result. Like, let's say you're not happy with the end of the day. Let's just say it's a one day. Can you switch gears? Can you go to mediation if you've been called to arbitration? Here comes that answer again. It, it depends. depends. <laughs> it depends. Okay. So, again, if it's a mandatory arbitration clause in your contract, no. Okay. You've signed okay. away, absolutely signed away your rights to a jury trial. On the other hand, if it's a voluntary arbitration clause where it says you can choose to go that route, if you don't want to, then you can present to the other side, hey, instead of arbitration, let's pursue mediation. Because I'm not willing to go into this leaving with an outcome and being bound to whatever that outcome may be. Let's go the, the route of mediation. Now, the other other side has to agree to that. Mm -hmm. uh, and if they do, then then yes, you could go the route of mediation. Or you could, if it's a, uh, a voluntary arbitration clause, you can say, no, 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 I don't want to arbitrate. I'm filing suit. And then you would go that route. So the examples we've used, and you sort of open this up explaining arbitration, I am keep thinking of it more contractually based. It is. It yes. Is. You're, you're not going to see arbitration in most personal injury cases. Well, that was where I was going. Yeah, so you're right. a personal injury attorney. You go to mediation a lot. I know yes. this because I'm your fiance. So I know yes. you're prepping yeah. for a lot of mediations. You know, you, you. So I hear you say mediation a lot. I've actually never heard you say I've got arbitration tomorrow or I'm mm -hmm. prepping for an arbitration. So talk a little bit about specific to personal injury law. Um, it is what more mediation based. That's your step. Yes. Okay. Yes. And 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 mediation again. You're you're able to go in there and leave uh, without it settled if you choose to. Uh, in a mediation setting, it's uh, somewhat similar in the way the presentation is done. Uh, ultimately, in mediation, you're going to be there a lot longer because you're going to go through a full day of negotiating. Arbitration could be a little bit quicker because you present your, your side of the arbitration and the panel or the individual takes it all into consideration to issue their eventual outcome. But in mediation, um, you know, I, I hate to use the word control, but it's a lot more controlled environment than arbitration. In arbitration... You can control the facts, the evidence, the testimony, the, the issues that are presented, but you can't control that outcome. That outcome right. is going to be what it is, and you're stuck with it. And you're stuck with so it. So it doesn't occur in car wreck claims. It doesn't occur in dog bite claims or Nursing slip and fall. or, or nurse, yeah. Well, actually, now there, there's a push to put arbitration clauses in nursing home contracts. So as a plaintiff's attorney who does handle nursing home neglect and abuse cases, I don't want arbitration clauses to appear. So the arbitration clauses, kind of on a side note, are generally enforceable against the one that signed the contract to go into the nursing home. Mm -hmm. So if I'm lucid and I'm uh, able to understand and comprehend what I'm doing and I'm 80 years old, 90 years old, and I sign my paperwork to put myself and in, enter into that nursing home, it used to be, at least in Georgia, where that signature was not binding to the family. And the arbitration clause would only apply to the parties to the contract but if i pass away and it's a, i've passed away because of neglect or abuse my family could then pursue a separate lawsuit for the neglect or abuse and ultimately the loss of life my wrongful death but now the trend is to try and, and create that arbitration clause to kind of uh jump from the individuals that signed the contract into the estate which therefore would be the wrongful death claim for the family members, the heirs of me, uh, as the one that passed away from the neglect or abuse. And as a plaintiff's attorney, we don't want that happening. Right. We want the ability to pursue the case and let a jury of your peers decide what the value of that life is. 
Um, an arbitrator is generally an attorney or a, uh, a judge, um, someone who has had a career in whatever aspect of that arbitration, you know, it's contract law or employment law, they have experience in that, that field. Mm-hmm. Uh, or in a nursing home case, uh, they have experience. But that experience could have been as a defense attorney or an insurance person who uh, went to law school and, and you know, learned from the defense aspect about that kind of case. Uh, whereas a plaintiff is going to be far more plaintiff friendly, someone who is a former plaintiff's attorney, and will look at it in, in my opinion, the best light possible for my client or the estate. So, no, I don't like arbitration as a general rule. Okay. I much prefer mediation. Well, I asked you that directly. Yes. And you said it depends. I, well, I personally prefer. Thank you. The, the, the preference is definitely mediation. Okay. All right. Well, thankfully, that's what you get to do more of in yes. your line of work is mediation. Um, but you know me, the favorite thing, I want to hear some cases. Can we talk? Do you have uh, some arbitration cases that we need to know about? Yeah, there are lots of, if you want to call them famous arbitration cases that have gone forward. Uh, I pulled up one that was fairly recent where Charles Schwab, the investment firm, uh-huh. uh, lost a $15 million arbitration case that they pursued against Morgan Stanley, another investment corporation, uh, which accused Morgan Stanley of improperly recruiting brokers from the Charles Schwab organization in San Francisco uh, that left with confidential information. So there was an arbitration clause there that existed, and so that went into arbitration. And as a result of the arbitration, Schwab owed $15 million to Morgan Stanley. Yikes. Uh, yeah, there are others that... Uh, I bet they wanted to sue somebody after that. Yeah, well, of course. Of yeah. course. Yeah, and that's the thing. If, if you've gone in with a binding arbitration, you're, you're stuck with it. Right. You may feel as though that there's some legitimacy to your argument in the facts that have led you to to pursue this claim as Charles Schwab against Morgan Stanley but if the arbitrator does not agree with that and unfortunately they rule against you and clearly they did to the tune of 15 million dollars well for lack of a better word you're you're stuck with it um who has the burden of proof in an arbitration well the burden of proof is 99.9% of the time on what we call the moving party the moving party would be the plaintiff in most cases mm-hmm. um because you're the one that's filed for the arbitration. You're the one that's uh, um, trying to, to seek a, a resolution to whatever the dispute may be. So you typically have a burden of proof. Now, there are times where both sides may have a burden of proof. If I've made allegations against you and you in turn have made allegations against me, it's my burden to prove those allegations I've made against you. I have to prove what I've alleged you've done or not done. Likewise, if you've made allegations against me, it's your burden now to prove those specific allegations you've you know, thrown back at me. So that burden can shift depending on you know, what, what's going on in the actual arbitration. You mentioned the word cost earlier, and I'm wondering who pays for the arbitration? Is it all on the plaintiff, or does that come out in the settlement? And, and then if you've got three attorneys or judges as arbitrators, ar- arbitrators, that's yes, right. Yes, yes. That's three that are getting paid to be there as opposed to one. So talk a little bit about the cost of all this. In your contract that that calls for arbitration, whether it's mandatory or voluntary, it may spell out the specific uh, terms about cost and who's going to be responsible. It may say the moving party has all responsibility for cost. It may say the losing party 
you know, and lose is a relative term, but the party that's been ruled against may bear all the cost associated with the arbitration. In some cases, it may be split 50-50. If the costs are $10,000, just to pick a number, uh, you're responsible for five, I'm responsible for five. Uh, so again, it, it, it can be built into the language of the arbitration clause. Most of the time it's going to be, it'll be reflected in there. Um, but it is far less costly than litigation, like we've talked about, uh, pretty much in line with what the cost of mediation may be. Okay. Any more cases? Uh, yeah, I'll give you one more. And yes. Then, then we'll uh, probably have to wrap up for okay. the Okay, yeah, because we have to tell everybody how to find you. That's the <laughs> most important. Yes. So another one that I pulled up from uh, uh, 2013, Oxford Health Plans uh, v. Sutter. And this case shows how difficult it is to have an arbitration award vacated. Uh, in that setting, especially if the argument boils down to um, the arbitrator got it wrong, we feel as though there was a grave error made in the ruling by the arbitrator. You may try and appeal. You may try and have the arbitration vacated, being thrown out, okay. and go back for another arbitration. In that case, uh, they were not able to vacate the arbitration award. And uh, if you looked, even as someone, maybe a layperson, not an attorney, you would probably look at the fact pattern and think, how the heck did they rule as they did in that arbitration? And in that setting, they tried to you know, say this was a gross miscarriage of justice uh, that needed to be vacated. The arbitrator, arbitrator got it wrong, and they couldn't. So you, know, you go back to how difficult it is to vacate what you feel as though is a, um, an improper ruling. But arbitration can very quickly prevent that from happening. And you can have that with a jury. I'm sure there are people yes, out can. there who have been, because you even said but, the plaintiff has the hardest time. But the difference is, if I go to a jury trial, I've got the right to appeal. I can go okay. to the appellate court and say, you know, here are the issues of appeal, whether it's jury misconduct or, you know, where the jury uh, asked questions when they went to deliberate that they were not allowed to ask and the judge provided information that they're not supposed to provide. I mean, there, there are all kinds of reasons that are what we call appealable issues that you could have in a, in a court setting in litigation, but you can't have that in arbitration. Okay. Well, always interesting. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your knowledge. And we appreciate you doing this. We're all getting a law education by following That's the right. Injury Insider. I'm going to let you tell everyone listening how can they reach out to you? How can they submit a question for the podcast? Uh, if they have a question for a case, they've been injured, a loved one's been injured, how do they find their case? Call me. That's always the starting point. My number is 404-777-HURT or 678-225-0970. You can start with a phone call if I'm there and available. I will absolutely get on the phone and speak with you about your particular case. Uh, I love asking questions to find out as much as I can up front about whatever the claim may be. Also go to my website. My website is Law Office of Derek M. Hayes. It's uh, Derek, D-E-R-E-K, the letter M, and the last name is Hayes, H-A-Y-S. You can even just search DerekMHayes.com, and you'll pull up my website. Go to my Facebook page, Law Office of Derek M. Hayes, Instagram, Twitter, uh, on my, on my um, website. There's a chat feature where you can type a question. Chat box will pop up. You'll get a quick response. You can also, too, go ahead and, and email me specific facts about your case. I get a lot of emails. Uh, I'm the one that will call you. I'll ask for your phone number or your email address. I'll return the call. I'll return the email and find out what else is going on that's not in the facts you provided and see if that's something I can help you with. 
Uh, also, too, there's a podcast tab on my website. You can click the podcast tab, submit a question for the podcast or a topic. I've had several. have a couple still waiting I've got to get oh, good. to okay. um, from my podcast tab. So I'll, I'll definitely address any questions uh, or any topics, again, you want me to, uh, to um, delve into. We'll do it. You can find Derek. Yeah, absolutely. And we are opening a second office. Yes. We yes. will be the law offices, offices. of yes. Derek M. Hayes. Just outside of Athens, Georgia, right. Right. Watkinsville. It, Watkinsville, Georgia, which is the county seat for Oconee County. I'm mm-hmm. literally a block away from the courthouse. Walking distance. So It's going to be set November 2nd. Okay. So I don't know when anyone's going to listen to this because, again, <laughs> yes. podcasts live forever. Uh, but November 2nd of 2021, the second office will be open. So if you live and, and you want to see Derek and meet in an office, we will have another office in Watkinsville, Georgia. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on Injury Insider with Derek Hayes, presented by Status Home Design and the Law Office of Derek M. Hayes. Don't forget that you can enjoy any of our episodes anytime by visiting businessradiox.com, selecting the Gwinnett Studio, and then clicking on Injury Insider with Derek Hayes. This program is also available on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, for Derek Hayes, I'm Lita Brooks, and you've been listening to Injury Insider on Business Radio X.